कहानी कैफे कहानी कैफे कहानी वाला रजत के साथ वेल हेलो नमस्कार सतरीकास्ट कहानी वाला रजत देखिए कहानियां हर चीज में है हिस्ट्री में भी स्टोरी है मिस्ट्री में भी स्टोरी है सो वट एवर इज हैपनिंग अराउंड स्टोरी एंड देर आर सम मास्टर स्टोरी टेलर जिन्होंने कुछ कमाल की कहानियां लिखी है जिनमें से एक की सीरीज हम इन दिनों कर रहे हैं आई एम नरेटिंग द स्टोरीज ऑफ रोल डाल द मास्टर ऑफ ट्विस्टेड टेल्स एज दे कॉल हिम सो आज की जो कहानी है अगेन इट हैज अ ट्विस्ट इन द एंड बट द ब्यूटिफुल जर्नी ऑफ द कैरेक्टर्स विल डेफिनेटली अमेज यू द स्टोरी इज स्किन बाय रोल डाल द विंटर वॉज लॉन्ग टाइम गोइंग A freezing wind blew through the streets of the city, and overhead the snow clouds moved across the sky. The old man, who was called Drioli, shuffled painfully along the side walk of the Rio di Rivoli. He was cold and miserable. He moved, glancing without any interest at the things in the shop windows, like perfumes, silk ties, shirts, diamonds, furniture, books. Then a picture gallery. He had always liked picture galleries. This one had a single canvas on display in the window. He stopped to look at it. Suddenly there came to him a slight moment of the memory, a distant recollection of something somewhere he had seen before. He looked again. It was landscape, a group of trees leaning over to one side as if blown by wind. Attached to the frame there was a little plate and on this it said Chaim Sotene 1894 1943 Drioli stared at the picture wondering vaguely what there was about it that seemed familiar crazy painting he thought very strange and crazy but i like it chaim sotene by god he cried suddenly oh my little friend with a picture in the finest shop in paris just imagine that the old man pressed his face closer to the window he could remember the boy yes quite clearly he could remember him but when the rest of it was not so easy to recollect it was not so long ago how long 20 no more like 30 years wasn't it wait a minute yes it was the year before the war the first war 1913 that was it and this sotini this ugly little boy whom he had liked almost loved for no reason at all that he could think of except that he could paint and how he could paint it was coming back more clearly now where was it the boy had lived yes the site of alguere was that then there was the studio with a single chair in it and the dirty red sofa that boy had used for sleeping the drunken parties the cheap white wine the furious quarrels and always always the sad face of the boy thinking over his work it was odd truly thought how easily it all came back to him now how each single small remembered fact seemed instantly to remind him of another there was that nonsense with that tattoo for instance now that was a mad thing if ever there was one how had it started ah yes he had got rich one day that was it and he bought lots of wine he could see himself now as he entered the studio with a parcel of bottles under his arm the boy sitting before the easel and his drioli's own wife standing in the center of the room posing for her picture tonight we shall celebrate drioli said we shall have a little celebration us three what is that we celebrate the boy asked without looking up 
Is it that you have decided to divorce your wife so she can marry me? No, Jayoli said. We celebrate because today I have made a great sum of money with my work. Huh? And I have made nothing. We can celebrate that also. The girl came across the room to look at the painting. Jayoli came over also, holding a bottle in one hand and a glass in another. No, the boy shouted. Please no. He snatched the canvas away from the easel and stood it against the wall. But Rioli had seen it. It's marvelous. I like all the others that you do. It's marvelous. I, I love them all. The trouble is, well, the boy was saying, gloomily, the trouble is that in themselves they are not nourishing. <laughs> I cannot eat them. But still they are marvelous. Rioli handed him a glass of pale yellow wine. Drink it. I will make you happy. Never he thought had he known a more unhappy person or one with a gloomier face. Hmm, give me more, the boy said. If you are to celebrate, let's do it properly. In the nearest cafe, Rioli bought six bottles of white wine and they carried them back to the studio. Then they sat down again and continued to drink. It is the only very wealthy who can afford to celebrate in this manner. Well, that's true, the boy said. Isn't that true, Josie? Of course, beautiful wine, Rioli said. It is a privilege to drink it. Slowly, methodically, they set about getting themselves drunk. The process was routine, but all the same, there was a certain ceremony to be observed. Listen, Rioli said at the end. I have a tremendous idea. I would like to have a picture, a lovely picture. It is this. I want you to paint a picture on my skin, on my back. Then I want you to tattoo over what you have painted so that it will be there always. You have crazy ideas, the boy said. I will teach you how to use the tattoo. It's easy. A child could do it. You are quite mad. What it is you want? I will teach you in two minutes. Impossible. Are you saying I don't know what I'm talking about? Well, I... the boy told him, all I'm saying is that you are drunk and this is a drunken idea. We could have my wife for a model, a study of Josie upon my back. The boy said it is no good idea and I could not possibly manage the tattoo. It is simple. I will undertake to teach you in two minutes. You'll see. I shall go now and bring the instruments. In half an hour, Drioli was back. I have, I have bought everything. He waved a brown suitcase. All the necessities of the tattooist are here in this bag. He placed the bag on the table, opened it and laid out the electric needles and small bottles of colored ink. He plugged in the electric needle. Then he took the instrument in his hand and pressed a switch. He threw off his jacket and rolled up his left sleeve. Now look, watch me and I'll show you how easy it is. I will make a design on my arm. Here, see how easy it is. See how I draw a picture of a dog here upon my arm. The boy was intrigued. Now let me practice a little on your arm. With the buzzing needle, he began to draw blue lines upon Rioli's arm. It is simple, the boy said. It is like drawing with a pen and ink. There is no different except that it is slower. There is nothing to it. Are you ready? Shall we begin? The model, cried Drioli. Come on, Josie. He was in bustle of enthusiasm. Now arranging everything like a child preparing for some exciting game. Where will you have her? Where shall, where shall she stand? Uh, let her be standing there by my dressing table. Let her be brushing her hair. I'll paint her with her hair down over her shoulders and her brushing it. Tremendous. You are a genius. The boy said, uh, first, I shall make an ordinary painting. Then if it pleases me, I shall tattoo over it. With a white brush, he began to paint upon the naked skin of the man's back. Be still now, be still, 
His concentration as soon as he began to paint was so great that it appeared somehow to neutralize his drunkenness. All right, that's all, he said at least to the girl. Far into the small hours of the morning, the boy worked. Dreoli could remember that when the artist finally stepped back and said, Ah, it is finished. There was daylight outside and sound of the people walking in the street. I want to see it, Dreoli said. The boy held up a mirror and Dreoli craned his neck to look at it. Good God, he cried. It was a startling sight. The whole of his back was a blaze of color, gold and green and blue and black and red. The tattoo was applied so heavily it looked almost like an impasto. The portrait was quite alive. It contained so much characteristic of Sotini's other work. It's tremendous. Uh, I rather like it myself. The boy stood back, examining it critically. You know, I think it's good enough for me to sign. And taking up the machine again, he inscribed his name in red ink on the right-hand side over the place where Dreoli's kidney was. The old man who was called Dreoli was standing in sort of trance, staring at the painting in the window of the picture dealer's shop. It had been so long ago, all that almost as though it had happened in another life. And the boy? What had become of him? He could remember now that after returning from the war, the first war, he had missed him and had questioned Josie. Where is my little painter? He's gone, she answered. I don't know where. Perhaps he will return. Well, perhaps he will. Who knows? Says Josie. That was the last time they had mentioned him. Shortly afterwards, they had moved to Le Havre, where there were more sailors and business was better. Those were the pleasant years, the years between the wars, with the small shop near the docks and the comfortable rooms and always enough work. Then had come the second war and Josie being killed and the Germans arriving and that was the finish of his business. No one had wanted pictures on their arms anymore after that. And by the time, he was too old for any other kind of project. In desperation, he made his way back to Paris, hoping vaguely that things would be easier in the big city, but they were not. And now, after the war was over, he possessed neither the means nor the energy to start up his small business again. It wasn't very easy for an old man to know what to do, especially one did not like to beg. Yet, how else could he keep alive? Well, he thought, still staring at the picture, so that is my little friend. He put his face closer to the window and looked into the gallery. On the walls, he could see many other pictures and all seemed to be work of the same artist. There were a great number of people strolling around. Obviously, it was a special exhibition. On a set sudden impulse, Rioli turned, pushed open the door of the gallery and went in. It was a long room with a thick wine-colored carpet. And by God, how beautiful and warm it was. There were all these people strolling about, looking at the pictures, well-washed, dignified people each of whom held a catalogue in the hand. He heard a voice behind him saying, What is it you want? Dreoli stood still. If you please, the man in black suit was saying, Take yourself out of my gallery. Am I not permitted to look at the pictures? Dreoli said, I have asked you to leave. He felt, Dreoli suddenly felt overwhelmingly outraged. Well, let us not have trouble, the man was saying. Come on now, this way, this way. He put a fat white hand on Rioli's arm and began to push him firmly to the door. That did. Take your hands off me, Rioli shouted. His voice rang clear down the long gallery and all heads turned around as one. All the startled faces stared down the length of the room at the person who had made this noise. The people stood still watching the struggle. Their faces expressed only an interest and seemed to be saying, It's all right. There is no danger to us. It's being taken care of. Dreoli was shouting, I too, I too have a picture by this painter. He was my friend. 
and I have a picture which he gave me. He's mad. Someone should call the police. People were talking about him. With a twist of the body, Rioli suddenly shook off the man and before anyone could stop him, he was running down the gallery, shouted, I'll show you, I'll show you, I'll show you. He flung off his overcoat, then his jacket and shirt and he turned so that his naked back was towards the people. There, there, he cried, breathing quickly. You see, there it is, there it is. There was a sudden, out, absolute silence in the room. Each person arrested in what he was doing, standing motionless in a kind of shocked, uneasy surprise. They were staring at the tattooed picture. It was still there, the colors as bright as ever. Somebody said, My God, but it is his early manner. Yes, it is fantastic, fantastic. And look, it is signed. Old one. Uh, when was this done? 1913, Dioli said, without turning around. In the autumn of 1913, who taught Sotheny to tattoo? I taught him. And the woman? She was my wife. The gallery owner was pushing through the crowd towards Drioli. He was calm now, deadly serious, making a smile with his mouth. Monsieur, he said. I will buy it, monsieur. How can you buy it? Drioli asked. I will give 200,000 francs for it. Don't do it, someone murmured in the crowd. It's worth 20 times. Drioli opened his mouth to speak. No words came out, so he shut it. Then he opened it again and said slowly, But uh, how can I sell it? He lifted his hands, let them drop helplessly to, the, to his sides. Monsieur, how can I possibly sell it? All the sadness in the world was in his voice. Yes, they were saying in the crowd. How can he sell it? It is part of himself. Listen, the dealer said, coming up close. I will help you. I will make you rich. Together we shall make some private arrangement over this picture, no? Drioli watched him with worried eyes. But how can you buy it? What will you do with it when you bought it? Where will you keep it tonight? And, and where tomorrow? Ah, where will I keep it? Yes, where will I keep it? Well, now it would seem, he said, that if I take the picture, I take you also. This is a disadvantage. The picture itself is no value until you are dead. How old are you, my friend? Uh, 61. But you are perhaps not very healthy, no? The dealer looked really up and down slowly like a farmer examining an old horse. I do not like this, Rioli said moving the away. Quite honestly, monsieur, I do not like this. He moved straight into the arms of a tall man who put out his hands and caught him gently by his shoulders. Listen, my friend, the stranger said, still smiling. Do you like to swim and lie down in sun? Rioli looked up at him rather startled. Do you like fine food and red wine from the great Chateau of Bordeaux? The man was still smiling, showing strong white teeth with a flash of gold among them. He spoke in a soft manner, one gloved hand still resting on Rioli's shoulder. Do you like such things? Well, uh, uh, yes, Rioli answered, still greatly puzzled. Uh, yes, of course. Have you ever had a shoe made up especially for your own foot? No, you would like that. Well, uh... And a man who will shave you in the mornings and trim your hair. Rioli simply stood and stared. And a plump, attractive girl to manicure the nails of your fingers? Someone in the crowd giggled. And also a bell beside your bed to call a maid to bring you breakfast in the morning. Would you like these things, my friend? Do they appeal to you? Rioli stood still and looked at him. You see, I'm the owner of the Hotel Bristol in Cairns. I now invite you to come down there and live as my guest for the rest of your life in luxury and comfort. The man paused, allowing his listener time to digest this cheerful prospect. 
Your only duty, shall I call it your pleasure, will be to spend your time on my beach in bathing trunks, walking among my guests, stunning yourself, swimming, drinking cocktails. You would like that, right? There was no answer. Don't you see, all the guests will thus be able to observe this fascinating picture by Sotheni. You will become famous and men will say, Look, there is the fellow with 10 million francs upon his back. You like this idea, monsieur? It pleases you, right? Brioli looked up at the tall man in the cans, canary gloves. He said slowly, But uh, do you really mean it? Of course I mean it. Wait, the dealer interrupted. See here, old one, here is the answer to our problems, okay? I will buy the picture and I will arrange with a surgeon to remove the skin from your back and then you will be able to go off on your own and enjoy the great sum of money I shall give you for it. With no skin on my back? said Rioli. No, no, please, you misunderstood. The surgeon will put a new piece of skin in the place of the old. It is simple. Could he do that? And there is nothing to it. Impossible, said the man with the canary gloves. He is too old for such a major skin-removing operation. It would kill him. It would kill you, my friend, I am telling you. Uh, it would kill me? Naturally, you will never survive. Only the picture would come through. In the name of the God, Drioli cried. He looked around, terrified at the faces of the people watching him, and in the silence that followed, another man's voice speaking quietly from the back of the group could be heard saying, Perhaps if one were to offer this old man enough money, he might consent to kill himself on the spot. Who knows? A few people laughed. The dealer moved his feet uneasily on the carpet. Come on, the tall man said, smiling his broad white smile. You and I will go and have a good dinner. We can talk about it somewhere while we eat. <laughs> How's that? Are you hungry? Really watched him frowning. He didn't like the man's long flexible neck or the way he craned it forward at when he spoke like a snake. Roast duck and chamberton, the man was saying. And perhaps a little light and frothy sofile ox marrons. Drioli's eyes turned up towards the ceiling, his mouth watered. Well, how do you like your duck? The man went on. Do you like it brown and crisp outside or shall it be? Okay, I'm coming, Drioli said quickly. Already he had picked up his shirt and was pulling it up hurriedly over his head. Wait for me, wait for me, monsieur, I'm coming, I'm coming. And within a minute, he had disappeared out of the gallery with his new patron. It wasn't more than a few weeks later that a picture by Sotheni of a woman's head, painted in an unusual manner, nicely framed and heavily varnished, turned up for a sale in Buenos Aires. That and the fact that there is no hotel in Cannes called Bristle causes one to wonder a little and to pray for the old man's health and to hope strongly that wherever he may be at this point, there is a plump attractive girl to manicure nails of his fingers and a maid to bring him breakfast in bed in the mornings. So that was a tremendously twisted tale written by Roald Dahl called The Skin. I'm your storyteller Kahani Wala Rajat. You're listening to the podcast by Macmillan Education. Kahani Cafe. Kahani Cafe. Kahani Cafe. Kahani Wala Rajat Kesat. Mm-hmm.